Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost. I'm your host Annette. And I'm Stephen. And today we are on episode 75. Staying alive. 75! Um, <laughs> Staying alive. Staying alive. I'm being a good wife and I'm letting you have that moment. <laughs> um, so sorry we've been missing the last two weeks. Life is a thing and it gets in the way sometimes. Uh, we have no excuse, but we missed our one year anniversary. So super sorry for that. <laughs> Our one year anniversary on the podcast. I had a, my, I, had a little, I, I was like, the flowers got lost in the post, I swear I did. <laughs> okay. uh, we crack on? Crack on. There's an age old question who is the king of the animals? It's not about finding out what animal is likely to eat you, it's finding out what animal eats the animal that eats you. So, of course, I jumped headfirst down the rabbit hole that is BoardPanda.com's Australia is the Land of Nope article with 40 lovely pictures to accompany it. I was mistaken in thinking the scariest things in Australia were spiders or huge crocodiles. But the first picture on the list is what they call a roof hanger. It's a suspended, grey-headed flying fox, a megabat native to Australia. It's the size of a frickin' toddler. I decided to move on to the next on the list, and it's a lizard, but it's the size of a crocodile. In fact, I thought it was a crocodile. Then there was a spider. Yes, it was huge, but it looked fake, so I breezed past it. Obviously not fake, but I pretended it was, because bear in mind, I'm doing this research Monday night, in the dark, in the kitchen, by myself. But I can't tell you what is past the fourth animal on the list because when I saw three photos taken in different stages of devouring an olive python chowing down on a freshwater crocodile, I thought, okay, that's enough of that. So I just reverted to the things that scare the holy bejesus out of me, but only for completely irrational reasons. Today we'll be discussing the ghosts of Port Arthur. So for those of you who may not know, Tasmania is an island state off Australia. It's about 240 kilometres to the south of the Australian mainland, and located on the southeast peninsula in Tasmania is one of Australia's most haunted sites, Port Arthur. Though the building today lies in ruin and disarray, it was once a place of fear and sorrow. As with most prisons of the time, there was very little in the line of separation. You were sent there whether you were a man with an extensive criminal curriculum vitae, or a one-time offender who stole a loaf of bread. The former convict settlement today contains some of the best-preserved convict-related ruins. It's a site of great heritage importance to Australia and is one of the most well-known of the Australian convict sites, made up of 11 remnant penal sites. From 1833 until 1877, Port Arthur was the destination for those deemed the most hardened of convicted British criminals, those who were secondary offenders having re-offended after their arrival in Australia, and rebellious personalities from other convict stations were also sent there. But the prison wasn't just built and convicts sent there. The colony's commandant Charles O'Hara Booth was determined to make the prisoners pay their social debt through back-breaking work. Beginning in 1833, the great task of creating Port Arthur was taken on by its new inmates. That meant hacking away at the landscape, helping fell trees and construct buildings that would turn it into a viable settlement, starting with James Booth's Grand House. 
Now, the idea of being shipped to Australia and made to work felling timber might sound appalling to us now, but at the time, it was considered a tremendous step up from just tossing people into overcrowded penitentiaries. Yes, the convicts would be worked to the bone, but they would also learn new skills where elsewhere they would never have been afforded the opportunity. In addition, Port Arthur had some of the strictest security measures of the British penal system. Port Arthur was one example of the separate prison typology, not unlike what we discussed when we covered the Eastern State Penitentiary. The prison was completed in 1853 and then extended in 1855. The layout of the prison was fairly symmetrical. It was a cross shape with an exercise yard at each corner. The prison wings were each connected to the surveillance core of the prison, as well as the chapel in the centre hall. From this surveillance hub, each wing could be clearly seen, although individual cells could not. This is how the separate prison at Port Arthur differed from the original theory of Panopticon. The Panopticon, if you don't know, because I didn't, is a type of prison building designed by English philosopher and social theorist Jeremy Bentham in 1785. It was a circular prison built with the cells arranged radially so that a guard at the centre position could see all the prisoners. The concept of the design is also to allow an observer to observe all prisoners without the prisoners being able to tell whether they are being watched, thereby conveying what one architect has called the sentiment of invisible omniscience. Kind of ironic when you think of it. Prisoners spent years living with a feeling of unease, not knowing if they were being watched or not. And now today, either those feelings of unease, nervousness and fear linger, stuck in the runes, attaching themselves like an invisible plasma. Or you only feel like you're being watched because you are, by one of the many souls who still think they're serving their time. The separate system signalled a massive shift from physical punishment to psychological punishment. Punishments such as whippings or beatings used in other penal stations seemed only to serve to harden criminals and did nothing to turn them away from their immoral ways. For instance, food was used as a reward, but not in the sense that if you didn't abide by the rules you wouldn't be fed. Again, they were trying a whole new approach by considering food, as an example, as a reward. A prisoner could receive more food or even luxury items such as tea, sugar and tobacco especially if they were on their best behaviour. Otherwise, the prisoners would receive the bare minimum of bread and water. But those who disobeyed the rules didn't exactly get off scot-free. The form of punishment used in that case would be the silent system. Prisoners were hooded and forced to remain silent. This was to allow them time to reflect on what had brought them to this place. Light and sound deprivation contributed to the development of mental illnesses among prisoners in the separate system. This was not the intended outcome, and I would say it was by coincidence that the asylum was built right next to the separate prison. Juvenile convicts were also sent to Port Arthur, including some as young as nine years old. A separate boys' prison, Point Pure, was set up for the boys, it was the British Empire's second boys' prison. In the same manner as the adults, the boys were subjected to hard labour. They cut stone and built. One of the buildings constructed was one of Australia's first non-denominational churches built in a Gothic style. Attendance of weekly Sunday service was compulsory for the prison population. 
However, critics noticed that compulsory attendance at service, hired labour, the silent system and the separate prison seemed to have negligible impact on reformation. Port Arthur was sold as an inescapable prison, much like the later Alcatraz in the United States. However, some prisoners looked at it as more of a challenge and tried to escape. Martin Cash successfully escaped along with two others. One of the most infamous incidents, simply for its eccentrics, was the escape attempt of one George Billy Hunt. Hunt disguised himself using a kangaroo hide and tried to flee across the neck, but the half-starved guards on duty tried to shoot him to supplement their meagre rations. When he noticed them sighting him up, Hunt threw off his disguise and surrendered, receiving 150 lashings. While Port Arthur may have had a reputation for being a pioneering institution in the new, enlightening way of imprisonment, it was still brutal and harsh in its executions. Some critics might even suggest that its use of psychological punishment, compounded with no hope of escape, made it one of the worst. Some tales suggest that prisoners committed murder, an offence punishable by death, just to escape the desolation of life at the camp. The Isle of the Dead was the destination for all who died inside the prison camps. Of the 1,646 graves recorded to exist there, only 180, those of prison staff and military personnel, are marked. The prison closed in 1877, but sadly was not the end of Port Arthur's bloody and sad history. In more recent years, April 28, 1996 to be precise, the Port Arthur historic site was a location of a massacre. Martin Bryant murdered 35 people and wounded 23 more before being captured by the Special Operations Group. The killing spree led to a national restriction on high-capacity semi-automatic shotguns and rifles. The 28-year-old Martin Bryant was subsequently convicted and is currently serving 35 life sentences plus 1,035 years without parole in the psychiatric wing of Risdom Prison in Hobart, Tasmania. Many paranormal experiences have been reported at Port Arthur. There have been claims of people feeling, seeing and smelling inexplicable things. People have heard disembodied voices and witnessed poltergeist activity. And then there's always those poor unfortunate souls who just attract bad energy and have been attacked by the unseen. And of course, common with most locations perceived to be haunted, certain areas of Port Arthur are said to be more haunted than others. The old asylum is said to be one of those places. Built in the 1860s, the focus was on treating the many convicts at Port Arthur who were suffering from depression. Treatment was actually ahead of its time, striving to provide a calming environment for the many prisoners who arrived with mental illnesses or those who only truly began to suffer after they arrived. So considering the asylum was known for keeping their patient-slash-prisoners calm, there are still spirits who roam there. The spirits of an elderly woman and a young girl have been seen in the asylum, but the building was also used as a schoolhouse at one point, so they could very well be from that era. Disembodied footsteps have been heard within the building and light fixtures have been seen moving on their own. One of the most intimidating buildings standing at Port Arthur is a separate prison. This prison was specifically built to instill mystery and fear into the hearts of inmates in the hopes they would avoid bad behaviour which would result in them spending time locked up in this area. 
The separate prison utilised the solitary system, which, as I mentioned, may have been gaining popularity throughout the world during this period. But this type of treatment, unfortunately, did more damage than good to the mental health of inmates. Sadness and loneliness are powerful emotions that tend to linger long after the victim of said emotion is gone. This is one reason why so many believe it to be one of the most haunted buildings at Port Arthur. People claim to have been touched and scratched by something unseen, which seems a fitting behaviour for spirits who were supposedly driven mad within the building. The grounds of Port Arthur are said to be home to several other spirits. Among the most common sightings is that of a blue lady. In the 1800s, she lived within the settlement and lost her baby during childbirth. Since her death, she continues to exist at the settlement in search of her child. Additionally, many have also seen ghostly children, distorted bodiless figures, and black figures around Port Arthur, along with a ghostly priest. So as I said, spiders aren't the only thing to be afraid of down under. But it's not always the thing that you can see that you should be afraid of. Sometimes it's the unseen that could give you the heebie-jeebies. What do you think of that story? That was a great story. It was really good, wasn't it? Yes. It's probably one of the few places that I actually really love the look of the building. And now I know I like architecture and I like old buildings. But this is actually really pretty. That being said, I have yet to find a nighttime photo of it. So it could actually be really super scary. I'll show you the pictures of it. Oh, there are the pictures. Ta-da-da. It's pretty though, isn't it? This kind of reminds me a little bit of some of the golf courses that you've attended. (laughs) Just because the green is so green, yeah. Um, but they've got um, they've got so much work going on there, and they're doing archaeological digs because it's one of the oldest. Um, and I don't mean to get into the history part and not the the ghostly part. The ghostly part is obviously still quite scary, but it's just it's. There are places in Egypt that they had to stop people going into because the human element is what's actually ruining it. Yeah. And I'm so glad that they're actually putting work into this to try and keep what's left of it because I don't know if they like because you can see here they've reinforced quite a bit. Can you see those pictures? <laughs> yeah, I could see the there's it's massive like, reinforcements there. Yeah, and then obviously there's some steps so people can actually kind of go up a little bit. But it's it's great to see that something of such historic value, horrible time, terrible because I mean there was one chap. Um, I took a lot of my information from I've quoted her before from Amy's Crypt um, she couldn't go in and do a nighttime tour or a video tour because I didn't realise that she actually has to pay for that like the rights to record and stuff but she did say she read this one story of a little nine year old boy who was I want to say asked but I don't think people asked kids back then to do anything um, he was told by an adult to rob a particular toy for him because he knew that if like this is in Britain, he knew that if the kid got caught, the punishment was exactly the same, whether it was him who stole it or the kid who stole it, but he figured the kid would be stealthy, he'd get in and out, no problem. And basically what was happening is anyone that the British deemed we just don't want to deal with them or they ha- they were dealing with overcrowding themselves, everyone just got shipped over to Australia. Mm. And this little boy robbed a toy, age of nine and then spent pretty much the rest of his life in Australia taken away from his family taken away from his friends obviously I don't know if he attended school or not but that option was just gone and then he was just worked to the bone and then as he got 
as you like because you've got like kids labor and then you've got as you get bigger it just gets harder and harder and what well, i don't know if this particular thing happened to that nine-year-old but a lot of common things that you hear about with stories like this is you go in having i'm not condemning bad behavior or breaking the law or anything but you go in having stolen a loaf a loaf of bread and you end up coming out far worse because prisons hardened you and it's not like nowadays you could go in having just maybe done your leaving cert and you can come out with a degree because you can educate yourself while you're in there there's a lot more for reformation now I don't know if that's the right word yeah reformation excuse me that's the right word but uh, it, it's just so sad mm-hmm. but yeah the blue lady I got, that, that got me just because it was so out of it was just a complete contrast to the rest of the stories that I had read but it just goes to show when they built the building it had several uses afterwards yeah. like it was a schoolhouse it wasn't just a prison I think Amy was saying on her website as well that she couldn't cover everywhere it, the place is absolutely huge yeah. I can't get an aerial photo of all of it it's not just this building there was a chapel there was the prison there was uh, the separate prison there was the other prison for the, the boys the place is absolutely huge I get the gist of it from all the other photos here um, I know I threw out a few. Did you get any characters name. for me? Go on. The blue lady. Okay. Kathy Bates. Has to be. She's been. It's been a while, girl. It's I was listening out for a, 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 I I wanted to give Steve Irwin a part scene as we were in Australia. Okay. Okay. Oh, see, I I didn't get individuals. I know that they mentioned a priest, uh, which makes sense because there was obviously a chapel there. They were they were heavy onto the. It's weird though because non-denominational that means it's not any one particular religion, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. So when they say that service was mandatory, I wonder what religion they were what's the word I'm looking for it was probably spiritualistic can I show you the list of um, on the rabbit hole that I fell down I I won't go into every single one of them but I just want to show you some of the pictures that I was looking at this is the very first one we stopped on now was I wrong it is the size of a freaking toddler yeah I don't I don't think they eat meat as well I think they eat fruit yeah so it's I I only know that from Bluey actually now that I think about it (laughs) Uh, that's a lizard not a crocodile uh, that was the spider I saw yeah which oh, to be fair it does look Huntsman. fake oh it is it's there yeah it does to me look like something that belongs on like a Harry Potter set because it hasn't been dressed yet it just looks like wood that's what I convinced myself that spider was and I was fine until I saw this and I couldn't make out what it was and then I realised it's, it's a crocodile it's, being eaten by a snake it's just loads of different I'm like oh, okay so he's definitely eating them because that's obviously his tail I don't know why they call him olive poitons maybe, maybe it's a her olive yeah goes Ooh, out with Popeye Popeye yeah, snake yeah 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 that's a toddler they're scary <laughs> um, I just I don't oh. yeah okay how can a kangaroo supposed to look like that they, some of them can be quite strong yeah most of their power comes in their kick he looks like he belongs outside like diva or something that's a nightclub in Dublin for our yeah, listeners yeah sorry it hasn't been diva in a long long time that is a giant crocodile okay and we're done looking at that cool. I'll put the link in the show notes for the Australia is the land of nope uh, it was a bored panda I don't know how I got onto it. it it's not even I think I was actually looking at that first and then I was like oh my god there's a bunch of stuff in Australia that is super super scary way beyond just snakes and spiders oh I've I'm itchy Octopus. all over now after watching that anyway um Oh, we finish up there. Yeah. Say your words. Okay. 
So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I will, of course, include the links in the show notes. And if you have any questions on this or any other episode, our socials are What's the Story Ghost on Instagram and What's the Story Ghost at gmail.com if you have any personal stories you would like to share. And those are all my words. Exit jingle. Exit jingle. I come from a land down under. Bye. Bye. That was a really bad one. I wasn't a bad one. I genuinely thought you were going to do Bluey, and I was like, "No, we've already done Bluey." And then ah. I was, and then I thought you were going to do Crocodile Dundee, and Could then I was like, that. "I actually wouldn't know it even if you did do it." Yeah, I wanted, I wanted the home theme song to Arachnophobia, but I didn't want to look it up <laughs> because I would have had to look at Pets of Arachnophobia. Oh, again. No, I don't want that. I was petrified.